0: welcome to the legendarium we're back after a brief moment of talking about the new star wars trailer craig ryan and todd discuss the legend of zelda its music its virtues and the eventual live action adaptation enjoy Oh, welcome again to the Legendarium Podcast. Yes, it is Zelda week. Sort of. I mean, it's not the only thing that we'll talk about, but it's uh, roughly a Zelda episode today. It made
1: me feel like I was sprightly going through the forest around old trees, picking up nuts and cutting down little hedges. <laughs> that's
0: that's a weird. That's Okay. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the legendary podcast. Uh you haven't heard us for a while um because we were lost in the desert. Um and uh we but we're back now. We survived mm-hmm. uh for a long time mostly because we used Ken as a food source. Uh so Ken is not with us this week. He Burp. has he has been eaten. <laughs> Uh, but we're back uh, but but we do have the three of us so let me introduce uh, who is here today now you know him his eyesight actually is so bad that he regularly eats paint chips on accident which explains a few things about him that's Todd Wenty. you know the
2: green ones really do taste like mint
0: <laughs> and he sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake and he's the proud owner of 38 restraining orders it's Ryan Bruckman
1: you always smell better when you're awake <laughs>
0: And my name is Gaelic for Majestic Breadstick. I am Craig Hanks. Is that what that means? That's right. Uh, So yeah, like I said, today we are going to talk, I think, mostly about Zelda and uh, maybe chat at the end about a few recent movies and that sort of thing. But first, we must deal with the only thing happening in the world right now. The elephant in the room. Yes. And that is the new Star Wars trailer. Uh, let's see. Today is the twenty fourth of October. I am just going to go ahead and date this podcast because uh, we're less than two months out. Yes. Uh, I am.
2: Count, some people have started counting down hours already. I,
0: I am counting down to November eighteenth, which will mark the beginning of the longest month in the in the history of American culture. Uh, when we're one month away from the release of Star Wars Episode Seven, uh, I it seems a, when I. If you had asked me a week ago or two weeks ago, it seems like I'm freaking out more than everybody else. But then the tickets went on sale last Sunday and broke the internet. Sites that should never have been broken were crashed by the amount of traffic. People so excited to get these tickets. So now I'm I'm thinking, no, I'm not the only one. People are freaking out about this.
2: I saw Ajax errors in every web browser that I tried to access it was amazing.
0: Well, let's talk about the trailer a little bit. We are going to set a time limit because, quite frankly, this could be an episode all on its own. But, uh, but we're not going to do that to you. So, uh, five minutes. Ryan, are you pulling up your timer here?
1: I am setting a five-minute timer right here, and then uh, I am Kill going joy. to, I am going to add one little piece on it because all of us did participate. In the uh, Battlefront
0: beta, and we should oh, discuss
1: that oh, briefly. We
2: should, yeah. Just yeah. briefly.
1: All right. But anyway, but five, five minutes on the trailer. Five minutes on the trailer starting now.
0: I love Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is a movie that will demand to be seen, not just on a theater, but in an IMAX theater or in the the largest screen that you possibly can get. If only for the flight scene that we saw in the trailer where the Millennium Falcon is dodging, is the, tie dodging the TIE Fighters, yeah. that by itself will give everybody vertigo and motion sickness. I'm
0: so excited to get sick in the theater for that.
1: I know, It's going to be awesome.
2: And uh, 3D.
0: And also... <laughs> We, you just you want to see Daisy Ridley be as adorable as possible on the biggest screen that Aww. you can.
2: When she has those doe eyes and she's crying, cute as a
0: freaking button. And she
1: is. Greg and I were talking about this. She's like, seems like the type of person you want to be a friend with. You want to be friends with if you actually go and watch. You know, we need to talk about the trailer. But if you watch her reaction and John Boyega's <gasps> yeah reactions yeah. to the trailer, I mean, it's been all over the internet. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen it yet, I'm assuming that you lost connection to the world for about
0: a week. <laughs> Probably. And we were the but. first
2: thing you picked up. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Right?
0: Uh no, if yeah, you can go on and see it. Now John Boy, uh, he's he's been around a little bit. He's uh he's an actor who's been around the block. And so his reaction, he was very excited, but I think you can kind of tell like This is a that, gig. That's yeah, this is a gig. This is what he does. Daisy Ridley, on the other hand, was one, if I, I think she was the only one, but maybe just one of a handful of people who you know, on a football team, we might call them the walk-ons, right? She went to open auditions and was cast in the starring role in the new Star Wars movie. Are you freaking kidding me? Anyway, so this is, you can imagine, just a dream come true for somebody like that. And so when she watches the trailer, she just bursts into tears and uh, is so emotional about it. a cool deal like, for her. Yeah. and it says so it's I, amazing. I really, I really uh, was appreciative of that.
1: Well, and the fact that, I mean, they know... They know the story. They've, they they were read through the script and everything. They know what's coming for them to be this excited after seeing it, it means something. It's great. Yeah.
0: And I know is this where you get a plate full of mashed potatoes and and make a mountain out of it? This, this, yes, this, this. This is important. This is important. This
1: means something. But I think was it John Boy uh, that he actually cried the first time he read <laughs> you the script? Must use the force. I'm I am i am just saying the fact of the matter is it's been blatantly obvious that we're all very excited about it. And there's a lot to be excited about. We've been excited for a long time. This is just the first, like, the first reassurance that yes, this is going to be good. This is that. But there's plenty in there that's giving you that's that we don't know. Anything. You know, you
0: know what I'd like to do? I'd like to go back and watch the old uh, previews for episode one uh, and see how good the previews were. Because oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. You know what I mean? Because everybody was just freaking out about episode one, obviously, um, and were the previews so does this actually give us an indication that the movie is going to be as good as it looks or could it really let us down but the
1: thing is is like many good trailers i think it's very exciting there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion packed into a very short period but what more do we know about the story from this like almost nothing
2: yeah there's there's about zero known on the story unless you unless you start making some you, you you start you looking at the trailer leads. and and pull some things apart. One of the things that I really liked about the trailer personally was that there were new ways of showing some of these same old effects. The scene where the Millennium Falcon goes into hyperspace, oh yeah, um, that's a different approach than we have ever had to that. But they did much
0: much like Abrams did with Star, with Star Trek. Trek,
2: and George Lucas didn't do any of that kind of experimentation. Thankfully, we have a director who's looking at it and saying, "I want to do something new with these standard stories." Uh, I was skeptical, or uh, skeptical, Spectacle? Nice glasses. <laughs> 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 um, thank you. I was uh, skeptical of J.J. Abrams as a choice for this, but I'm very, I'm very pleased. No, I was
0: pleased from the beginning.
2: I think the other thing that
1: would be so easy to do is, while we do get a visual of Han, we do get a visual of Leia. We don't get one of Luke really, other than what was in the teaser of what we assume is Luke, um, that robotic hand on R two D two. Uh, but the fact is, is so much focus is put on the new characters and the new, yeah, the new world, so that as fans, we're not just coming into this,
0: and it's not just a nostalgia based piece. Can I, very quickly tie this back to something that we've talked about many, many times before? Which only is if you can do it in thirty seconds or less. Mistborn. Uh, this reminds me of Mistborn, hmm. where um, a- at least I-, I hope that it does. <laughs> where i think they might be going with the story here is the oh, the I empire was destroyed and the galaxy went to nuts sh- yeah you know so it's um it could be that situation where it's like yeah you finally you killed the god king and now what and nobody oh shoot is that our five minutes that's five minutes all right i anyway. have three the-
2: more things to Talk about Too just bad. on the trailer.
1: <laughs> we didn't actually break down any specifics uh, in there, but no, I think you're. I think that you're on the right track. The idea that the Rebellion may not have had a chance to get its feet as set as we would have thought that they did based right. on our previously expanded universe. Right. Anyway. Now, uh, two minutes. I want two minutes here. Two minutes. On the beta? On the Battlefront beta, because oh, we all came over. Yeah. We all played it. Um, yeah, and, and we all...
0: Can I can I just say how much fun it is? Uh, I've been away from video games for a while, not really, but I just keep playing the old classics um, from ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. Uh, and so I've been away from the new stuff. I went over to Ryan's house. I picked up his Xbox. I started playing Battlefront. It's so much fun to play movies now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my
0: gosh! The graphics are off the charts. And your
2: and your cutscenes happen while you're playing. Wherever you're at, all of a sudden there is a cutscene that can in, that can insert itself. Whereas in the past, you used to be, you'd run, you'd run, you'd run, and then everything would stop, and then you'd sit back and say, "Oh, okay, now I'm going to watch a cutscene." No, the cutscene information is going while you're still moving around, trying to position yourself for whatever comes next. That was really cool. It's an
1: incredibly immersive environment, and
0: I'm especially when you're playing it on Ryan's seventy inches
2: in a room that is supposed to be designed for forty-five, maybe forty-eight.
0: But not only being
1: incredibly the graphics are amazing, it's a very immersive experience, I mean, but for a, what was it, like, three-day beta or week-long beta or something like that, nine and a half million people participated in the beta of Battlefront.
2: And it seems like we kept playing the ones that had been on there so long that they had upgraded weapons, upgraded armor, and just kept kicking our butts. Once
1: (laughs) once I started playing after you guys left, I got myself up to that level too. It was a lot better, but I'm just saying that um, for all of the concern out there, I'm not a hardcore gamer, um, so I can't speak for those who consider themselves to be that. But based on the fears, uh, dealing with uh, EA being the company that runs it and Dice, uh, I think that whatever we whatever we get when it finally does get released in 26 days or whatever it is, um, we finally get released will be worth the money that we spent.
2: I I've, I've talked to a couple of guys at, at work where I work at that also played the beta and they are hardcore gamers. I mean, they pre-order everything. They're very much into first-person shooters. Um and and they were feeling very much the same that we were. So, I I think the gamer community um is is really not just excited about this game but very accepting of what this game looks like. And for the fact that all we played was like three levels on a beta and and one capture the fl- and only one of them that was a massive multiplayer Environment, It worked smooth. It was fairly seamless. Um,
1: I will say I think they it, need to fix some balance stuff on the uh, walkers on Hoth because I played that level like 10 times and only once did the Rebellion ever win.
2: Wow. <laughs>
0: um, we'd better leave Battlefront. I, I In parting, I'll say um, if you are a gamer, if you have a PS3 or 4, or if you have an Xbox 360 S4. or Xbox One, um, definitely make sure that this is on your list. And if you don't, you know, I'm not going to tell people to go out and buy a $500 system just to play this game. But uh, make sure that you're paying attention to this game because uh, of its lead-in to Episode 7. We've had some questions from listeners about, hey, you know, should I be doing any research to be ready for Episode 7? This would be primary. This would be good.
1: December Um, 1st. Watch the game. I believe it's December 1st will be the one event that you will want to be you
2: the battle of jakku you
1: will want to be aware of because that mm-hmm. you get to be able to play the battle of jakku where the it's supposedly the last great battle between the empire and the rebellion or, before episode 7 before episode 7 right and we also get the appearance of someone that we thought was gone well none of us none of us who are fans really yeah, thought we're anyway gone.
0: yeah but, uh boba fett we'll deal woo! with that yeah boba fett's back uh so let's let's chat Zelda okay we're gonna uh, hard switch here new topic wow, wow. easy
2: grind those do, gears <laughs> uh,
0: I was a couple weeks ago now my sister and I uh, that she was my hot date uh, we went to the Zelda Symphony here in Salt Lake City um, I didn't take my wife just because my sister and I actually grew up. Playing Zelda together, Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're just freaks for this franchise. Uh, Love, I love everything about it. Uh, Well, I guess that's not true, but I love just about everything about it.
2: Really? There's Um, something about it that you don't love. That is news to me.
0: I just want to leave the door open.
2: Oh, okay, Uh, okay. Anyway, (laughs) because see, when I think of when I when when people say, "So what's Craig like?" I said. Do you like Tolkien? You'll like Craig. Do you like Zelda? You'll like Craig. Do you like Star Wars? You'll like Craig. If they come back with a no on any of those, it's just over. <laughs> and it's in that order, and by no, the way. No, no. It, it's in that they, order.
0: They don't have to, they they don't say no to one of those. They just have to say yes to one of those. <laughs> That's all. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to be Craig's friend? Well, can you sit there and uh, chat with him while he cross-stitches for three hours a day, <laughs> yeah. Zelda patterns? Then, yeah, you can probably be his friend.
2: And he's still confident in his masculinity.
0: Uh, That's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, any, wow. Wow. That really took a turn. Uh, speaking yeah, of but of, it was the
2: first chance that we have had to give you an insult all day.
0: Yeah, well. Uh, so we went to the Zelda Symphony. and. Uh, if if you are listening to this and you have not heard of it or you haven't been to one yet, go to, I think it's Zelda-Symphony.com. Just Google Zelda Symphony. You'll find their website real easy. And look at their uh, upcoming stops on their tour. They are going all over the states still. They'll go back to Europe where they started the tour. they started it, yeah. Uh, and... So they've got a bunch of shows going all through 2016. Uh, So there's a lot coming up still, uh, which tells me that this is quite the moneymaker. And and it should be. It's really, really fantastic. I learned something interesting only the night that I showed up, uh, which was, or sorry, no, the night that I was interviewing the conductor. uh, So a couple nights before I showed up. But she was telling me that uh, they don't travel with a symphony. They're going to use musicians uh, and a, a chorale from the local, town that, that you're in. Yeah, yeah so they're going to come in and so here you had the Utah Symphony. You had folks that play with Ballet West. They brought in the U- Utah Valley University um, chorus mm-hmm. uh, to to do the vocals, and they give these people the music about a month in advance, uh, have them rehearse a bunch, and then the production crew shows up the day of the concert. They rehearse it once, and then. It's off to the races, so it makes it really interesting. It's like opening night every night. It seems like uh, it would be uh, so. Yeah, you get a chance to watch these musicians play something that they that they haven't been on tour with for eight months already. They're not sick of it, you know. And, and probably for some of
2: them, this is their first experience with the music. Uh, others may have grown up on it. Like you did mm-hmm. uh, may have had lots of experiences with the music in the past, but others of these of these artists the first time or it 's either the first time that they 're experiencing it or it 's the first time that they 're experiencing it themselves, not their children, from listening to their children play the video games
0: I went and did a lot of interviews uh, backstage before the show and during intermission, and talked to a lot of the musicians and yeah, there were a lot of folks who didn 't know Zelda, and it was a ton of fun to go, I I found the gropey's looking old lady that I could find. <laughs> and, you know, I had a bunch of others, but I, I was like, oh, I, I see this violin player that's just kind of scowling through the music. I'm like, I've got to talk to her. And so I would talk to some people and she was actually great. I, I would say, you know, you are trained to play Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, Brahms, uh, you know, what whatever the case may be. What's it like? Or do you feel like you're slumming it a little bit? And uh, and this one, this grumpy old violinist was like, "No, this is fantastic music. This is wonderful." And then there were some, like the the girl that was the the uh, flautist, mm-hmm. the first flautist. She was uh, she was very diplomatic about it, but you could tell she was like, "This is not my cup of tea. Yeah, I'm here for a paycheck. Yeah, uh, but and, and that's fine. You know, to each his own." But you guys have at least some experience with the Zelda franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts on the music is—is is that something? Would that be a draw to you? Somebody says, "Hey, we're going to go watch the Zelda Symphony. Do you want to go?"
2: The only—I remember when you were talking about this. The only reason that I didn't go was because it was on a night that I already had commitments, and so I couldn't go. When it was here in Salt Lake City, um, I remember it from. Let's see. How old was I when we? Had the first Zelda game in nineteen eighty six. I was like seventeen. That was, was my the, that was the year I was born. Uh-huh. My, thank you so much for making me hurt <laughs> one more time. I guess it just this this is just a ping pong game going back and forth, isn't it, Craig? And you're just sitting there watching, counting points. Um, no, I I remember when it first came out. We heard this we heard this music on these on the little mono speakers coming out of our televisions, and then. Um I was away from it for about 5 years because of of college and some other things and I came back and I heard that same music starting to be played on
0: the computers. Oh, okay.
2: that had good that had good stereo speaker systems and I was like wait a minute I thought Zelda was gone it was really cool.
0: Uh Ryan you the the one game you've played all the way through is uh Ocarina of Time?
1: I on a technicality I Yes, but I can. Say, I would say that I've played two all the way through.
0: Oh, that's right, because you never beat the the last guy on my, Skyward Sword. My
1: version of Skyward Sword on my Wii at home is literally sitting, just waiting for me to beat the final character. <laughs> how Did long ever, has it been
2: waiting for you to beat the final character?
1: Two years? Something like that, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I would have to go back and learn how to hit which buttons are which again. But I will say that for... In uh, in terms of video games, there are very few that I can think of off the top of my head that have soundtracks and music that are recognized and recognizable and iconic on their own. Yeah, yeah. When someone plays the Mario theme, you know it's the Mario theme. Zelda sits in that same category right there. The music is so specific and so iconic to it that I never hear that. I never hear, especially the theme. I never hear it yeah. and go, huh, what, what game was that again? There's plenty of games that have great soundtracks, but they're not supposed, right. They're not, uh, and
0: and there are symphonies that. Uh, it, in fact, this guy that runs this, Jason Michael Paul, he did. Um, oh, I can't remember. Maybe it was a Final Fantasy or something like that. Yeah, there are these other games that people will go to, but ultimately that that tour stopped, and this tour shows no signs of slowing down. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. they're going strong. And so yeah, I think it lends something to your point. There,
1: well, there's another. There's another video game concert series out there called Video Games Live Yeah, that, you know, it's not as specific. They do play some Zelda pieces in there, but it's very much, it's very iconic uh, video game music. And so, and that's why Zelda's in there. That's why I included, but it also, they have uh, Mario and Wolfenstein or Castlevania and, you know, a, a, Sonic, maybe a, a Sonic, a dozen other ones, but I think that it really speaks to part of the reason that the series has lasted as long as it has and has done as well as it has you know, it's had varying styles of gameplay, varying uh, stories, you know, from the very beginning all the way through. But pretty consistently from the beginning to the end, we've had a consistent musical story.
0: Something to tie you from one game to the next.
1: Yeah, this is one universe, and and you hear that it's one universe and when you play through it.
0: And the reason that I brought up with you Ocarina of Time uh, is because that's, I think that's where that started. Yeah. Um, you could argue to a lesser degree that it started with the Super Nintendo system on A Link to the Past. Link to the Past, yeah. And, and I mean, the, the main theme has survived from the 1986 original game, sure. Uh, but in Ocarina of Time, suddenly you have a game that's about an adventurer going around saving the princess, defeating the bad guy, sort of, but... Uh, but a major part of the gameplay is music. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, and, and using that as a, they continue to do that in other games, but to, I think not much, as great an extent. Much, uh, yeah, poorer <laughs> degree. How many? You.
1: How many of the Ocarina's themes can you play out of the top of your like all from of memory? Them. All <laughs> of them. Yeah. And can you remember all the buttons? that I remember on the sixty four left C, up C, right C, <laughs> left C, up C, right C. I can
0: play them on. I can play them all from memory on the N sixty four controller and on my three DS controller. So
2: and see, my kids played them on GameCube. Which was where, which was where my kids started catching on to to all of this stuff, and where mm. I just got reintroduced. And so, on our little GameCube controllers, I remember sitting with my kids trying to figure that out while they were going through. No, Dad, you're doing it wrong. It, that's always entertaining. <laughs> that's no, a fun Dad, way you're to doing put it. it wrong.
0: Um, anyway. Uh, the music of Zelda really really gets to me and it's hard it's a bit like listening to John Williams music where it's hard for me to separate am I loving this for the nostalgia or am I loving it because it's good music yeah by that and it, it so I come from it understanding that I may be um fanboy I well yeah I'm I may be incurably biased mm-hmm. uh, but but I think just the fact like Ryan being kind of a uh, casual fan, you know, and, and somebody like my wife, who's never played a Zelda game in her life, these people know the music, and it's it. So it's internalized into our culture in a way that some movie themes are. And and so my question, and I put this to a lot of the uh, the musicians that I talked to that day at the sure. symphony, is: Do you guys think is there a possibility that three hundred years from now? when people look back on the music of the 20th century and the 21st century that video game music and possibly zelda music will have a place in the you know the great music of our time the mm-hmm. way that we look back and you know we we don't just listen to old symphonies from hundreds of years ago we listen to old um like religious chorales and that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that bach used to write or whoever uh, we, we still listen to those. They were written for a very specific purpose for a very specific audience, much like video game or movie music is today. Right.
1: Based on the competition it has right now, I'm feeling pretty confident about it.
0: <laughs> That's probably true.
2: Well, you know, you got to go with either video game music or Katy Perry. I think I'll take video game music, John. Yeah. I, I think a lot of that is going to depend on, um, on where this goes in the future. Um, I'm sub- one of the things that I'm most impressed with as far as as far as the Zelda pieces um musically they're they're okay musically they're 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 great pieces um there are a lot of other video games that have some really good music um there was there and here's the problem I can remember that I can remember that I thought it had good music mm-hmm. but I can't remember the name of the game but in Zelda I can partly because Zelda as a franchise continues to live on and so I think, as long as Zelda as a franchise, in the same way that Star Wars as a franchise and Star Trek as a franchise continue to be revisited by each subsequent generation, I think they become more firmly entrenched along the way. I think that perhaps on a musical uh, on a musical level, that's part of why. So much of the religious music of the 16 and 1700s continues to live with us, so much of those composers' music. And I think that that will be the case with the Zelda music as long as they can continue to strike a chord with each subsequent generation. Mm -hmm. I think it
1: will. I think I want to bring this up too because you talked about how you couldn't really tell if the music was good on its own or just it's, or it's like
0: when somebody used, people used to ask me uh, I would say I have a sister and they'd be like is she hot? And I'd be like I have no idea. <laughs> I've lived with her my whole life. You know? She's it's kind of the sister. same thing. It's a bias. And but, uh, there is that too.
1: So from a relatively unbiased, you know, I can't say entirely because I have played the games and I do mm-hmm. enjoy them. But I it was probably about a month ago when we had first started discussing that we were going to do a Zelda podcast. Um, I happened to trip over and by trip over, I mean literally because my son pulled out Skyward Sword off of the shelf and opened it up. And nice. Inside that, this edition that I had came uh-huh. a...
0: The 25th anniversary orchestral version.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so I put it in my car. I was like, oh, my car does have a CD player. Hmm, what do you know? <laughs> and I threw it in there. <laughs> nice.
2: And he drives a Prius, ladies and gentlemen.
1: I, I played it and I listened through it. And I will tell you that my biggest critique... Was that I never knew when the song was finished. Mm, yeah, it just I, really blended to like the music tends some... to blend together a bit. But it's good music, but it's not. It's
0: with, not with that with that CD in particular. That was also uh, produced by the same guy who's doing this uh, the Symphony of the Goddesses that's touring. Uh, but but I do have some critiques with that one because they load the front of that album with the main theme. They actually have a main theme. Uh, they have an overture, they have a 25th anniversary celebratory uh, f- song, and then they do uh, a main theme medley. And so right up front, you have like three tracks in a row that just do that main theme over and over and over again in different ways. And so I totally get that. Um, but uh, but then it moves on to some other stuff. So hopefully you enjoyed some other stuff in there too.
1: Yeah, it it was just my biggest my biggest critique is that the, the music is great. Um, and it is iconic, but there are not all of it is iconic. Right. There's, Absolutely. there's a handful of songs that just about anybody who heard, who's ever been. in, uh,
0: I'd say two, the main theme and maybe Zelda's lullaby, maybe.
1: Yeah, okay. probably. Okay. Uh, well, the fairy fountain is another one that I, uh, yeah, people c- can yeah, good spot point. fairly easily.
2: But I think that can be said for just about any, any work that is designed that way. When, when. When we stop when we talk about Star Wars, I remember I I purchased the Star Wars soundtrack um, and I purchased every soundtrack since then that was in any way connected to either Star Wars or Star Trek that I've been able to get a hold of. Um, So I have I have lots of movie music and then I've, you know, branched out into some other some other movie composition that music that way. And even John Williams, I mean, as much as I'm a, a John Williams fan and would probably go out of my way to see John Williams if he was conducting anything. If it was, you know, within driving distance and all those kinds of things, he has some phenomenal misses oh, yeah. on some of his stuff, and and I I think what what winds up happening, and the same with Mozart. Mozart's got some pieces that I listen to him, and I'm like, oh well, yeah, that sounds like you were writing something for somebody in order to get paid. Um, I I think there's I, I think what we see a hundred years later or two hundred years later is we see snapshots of things that survive. And those things are the things that we then equate to the genius or to the staying power of those franchises. I I think it's really going to be franchise driven, Mm -hmm. I think. But the thing that's surprising is how much franchise there is in Zelda. It's not just video games. There's. There's a there's an anime. I've got a toy sitting series. on my
0: shelf right now. Yeah, yeah. You are sitting in front of the Hyrule Historia I, on I, my desk.
2: I'm seeing this sit in front of me too. Um but there's also there's there's manga, there's been um there's been books that have been written, there's comic books that have been written, um, uh, there's all kinds of stuff that has spawned from this silly little video game from 1986. I had a lot of other silly little video games from nineteen eighty six that have had some staying power. I mean, I played Star Fox with my kids for crying out loud. sweet. But none of it has had the 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 breadth that Zelda seems to have come up with.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's i, I we're going to continue talking about Zelda, but I want to move to a kind of a different topic within. Uh, So moving away from the music. But in order to do that, I've got an audio piece that I'll play for you. Like I said, I got a lot of uh, interviews um, with a lot of people. Uh, So the Zelda Symphony is put on by Jason Michael Paul, uh, whose production team made the CD that Ryan was talking about. They're doing this tour. Uh, He's the executive producer. So his is the first voice that we'll hear. Uh, But then I asked a bunch of the symphony and the choir members uh, a certain question. And that will take us into our next topic. So, first, the first thing I did was I asked uh, Jason what he kind of gets out of this event.
1: Oh, just a sense of satisfaction, you know. I I know that everyone in that audience is being thoroughly entertained. I
0: am not entertained.
1: I mean, that's just the ultimate. Uh, gratitude you know I just I, I love it um, you know to see the smiles uh, the, the the tears the all the mixed emotions that this uh, this franchise evokes it's uh, it's just a wonderful feeling but oh
2: Richard I'm so happy hold me
0: power courage or wisdom take your pick um I think I would choose wisdom
1: I would have to say uh, pa- um, sorry you wisdom say- you have chosen wisely Power? I'm
0: gonna
2: choose courage. Courage. They uh, got that I ain't got
0: courage. You could say that again. Anyway, you had way too much fun with that. I did. That I, if I'd if I'd had more time, if you guys were coming over later in the day, it might have been better. But it was fun. Uh, yeah, So the question that I asked everybody was power, wisdom, or courage. Uh, so. I, I want to get your guys' reactions to that question and then uh, we'll talk about the kind of the mythology of Zelda a little bit. Mm. If you had to choose one virtue from the Triforce that was yours to hold, power, wisdom, or courage, which do you
2: represent? Courage. Oh. Wow. That was that was surprising a little bit. We didn't even plan that. Nope,
1: Todd held up his fingers and said on the, on 3 we'll go and say it. Um, yeah, I my initial inclination was wisdom, but it just didn't fit as well. I just thought that the value of courage uh, is such a it's it's such a missed value nowadays. Mm. There are plenty there are a lot of wise people. We're missing some courage. It I think it, the world needs a little more of
2: it. It is one thing to know what one should do, it's another thing to be willing to do. What one should do, and and I've I, I've I have a saying that I say to my kids, and I've said this to my students in classes in different places, and 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 I say it all the time: to know and not to do is still not to know. And I think there's a lot of people who know good things and do absolutely nothing with that knowledge. At which point, I say you have no wisdom. You have an intellectual capacity to understand certain information. Wisdom in its application is or 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 in, information in its application is the manifestation of wisdom and for me that means it requires a, an element of courage without courage it never moves to the point of being wisdom
0: yeah um i i would probably say the same one as you guys yeah uh, the nice thing and this but then is what we're we'll get males. into the the nice thing about this <laughs> because is nobody that... wants to say power but we all really want it <laughs> <laughs> uh, the and the great thing about it is that none of these matter without the other two right right if you can be courageous but really dumb you know and and it does nobody any good and probably a lot of harm and you can say the same thing (laughs) about the others as well wisdom is probably the strongest on its own but like you said wisdom without anything else Mm -hmm. you who cares it does nobody any good um anyway so i love and this is this is what turned me from a guy who loved the video games to somebody who was all in on the mythology, the culture of Zelda. And it's this idea yeah. of the Triforce, um, the power, wisdom, and courage. I This is something that's like, if, if you are looking for a life philosophy and uh, you know, you want to sum it up really quickly, here you go. Take the Triforce, hang it on your wall uh, you know, cross stitch it, <laughs> whatever. You know, it's uh, what what do you think? Is this something that could be a, a guiding light for somebody who lacks one?
1: He, yeah. I mean, as on
0: a base level, yeah. I don't know what you.
1: I don't know what you would do. Yeah. I mean, the, well, the... I mean,
0: it's it's kind of it's similar to how I'd say similar to how we have read certain books in the past. Where, you know, what do you do? Well, you just read it, right? I, I've got uh, one person I know is really famous uh, in our circles for reading a book and then saying, well, yeah, but they didn't tell me what to do afterwards. Yeah. So to be like political theory or something, and like where, where's the actionable advice? I'm like, well, that's not the point of this. It's not about actionable advice. It's about internalizing a certain message and, you know, and letting that kind of permeate your life, right?
1: Okay, I can see that. I can see. I could see someone taking that and making that concept work. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to. Fi- I'm just trying to figure out, like, you know, some poor person trying to figure out what they're doing with their life, saying, "I need some sort of life philosophy," and they pull out the Zelda game and figure out, "Okay, I like this: power, wisdom, and courage." I guess what it's, do I do?
0: Yeah, and I guess it's not like, "Hey, do you need to adopt something?" You know, this might be a, a. Uh, that's a poor way to go about it but um i guess for somebody like me like i mentioned to todd the first game came out the year i was born i've i was breastfed on star or not star also star wars but on zelda like i've grown up with this stuff my whole life um on lawn lawn milk is that what you're gonna say no, I just have
1: this vision of
2: <laughs> don't mul- don't multiple
1: bottles or whatever. One Star Wars, one Zelda, just yeah, sitting yeah. on the counter.
0: Anyway, point being, I've had I've had a certain number of years now on this planet, um, just <laughs> you guys are disgusting. I've had a certain number of years now to internalize the message from Zelda, you know, and I think that kind of like how we used to talk about the Lord of the Rings uh, at a certain point when you've gotten to know something so well it's no longer at the front of your mind all the time it's just it is the bed upon which all other things are planted in your mind sure
2: you know one of the things that uh, that i think this this um, mythology lends itself to is an adaptability Um, if if we were to look across cultures i think we would find that all cultures prize these particular virtues and i would say um, if we were to do a study of, of religions, we would find at some point in time that most religions prize these virtues in some shape or form. They may not describe them exactly the same. They may not even give them necessarily the same names. But, you know, if we look in the Judeo-Christian history and tradition, we have Solomon who's uh, given the opportunity. He can choose anything. He chooses wisdom. Well, you know, this, that, that kind of correlates. Um, in our American tradition, we, we prize courage. Um, as or to
0: ryan's point at least we did
2: yeah the, the the founding fathers are enshrined in our pantheon as having been courageous individuals who were willing to take a stand in the face of tyranny and we also see throughout almost all of history that power specifically power to do good which i think is is somewhat inherent in, in the Zelda lore, the power, the power to do good and used correctly um, with the right balance of courage and wisdom is a a virtue that is just about universally sought by leaders in most environments. So I I think your, I think your idea of, are these things, do these things resonate within cultures, within individuals as something to aspire to in their lives? I think it does. And that, if there is a, if there is a, um, a level at which these video games cease being just fun entertainment but com- become something that can reinforce the way that we live our lives. For Zelda, it's one of the few that does it well because it does this with positive virtues that, when enshrined and when in- when put into action in a real-world setting, have some real value.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you know what else resonates with me about the Zelda series? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It has one of the top <laughs> five coolest swords In all
0: gaming. (laughs) Oh, it absolutely does. That
1: sword and shield combo is just amazing.
2: You know, the fact that I and my children both really think that stuff is cool, I think speaks volumes either to the marketing and the genius of that, or just to the way that it's all been put together.
0: you, You can't, you can't market well a bad product. At least not for long. Not for long. Okay
2: um it, we'll, we'll converse about that one later <laughs> offline
1: Surprised nobody took a jab at apple there
2: well we'll converse about this later offline <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: let's let's chat um a little bit about the gameplay and then i want to get to to uh other forms of media that zelda could infiltrate um Todd, I lent you Skyward Sword. Yes, uh, you've not brought it back,
2: which tells me that you're just about to beat it, right? We're 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 not just about to beat it, but we're still enjoying it. <laughs> In fact, like... my my son keeps looking at me, saying, "Can we play tonight, Dad? Can we play tonight, Dad?" Mostly because he enjoys saying, "Dad, you're doing it wrong." <laughs> so we're still having fun. Um,
0: but anyway, and Ryan, you've uh, with the exception of the final boss battle, you've played through Skyward Sword. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just a fun game. Yeah. After after everything else, after all the the talk of the music, the mythology, the the power, wisdom, and courage, it's a it's a fun game. It's right? a well made game. And uh, if people out there haven't played it yet, they really ought to. If you're at all interested in video games.
2: Well, but that's not the only one either. Um, the first Zelda game that, other than the 1986 Zelda game that I played on my friends system down in his basement when his mother kept telling us to leave the house and go do something productive with our lives. Like, I don't know, go to college. Um, Link to the past. Uh, no, actually, because remember, I had a, a period of time where I missed out on a lot of stuff and I dabbled. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we bought a Wii and I played uh, Link's crossbow train. Oh, sweet. <laughs> and, and as a family, that became the game. And so, I mean, the competition game when when one of my kids finally could beat my score um, and and one of my boys actually has a top score. I think it's on Fruit Balloon's third level. Um, I still can't beat his score. And I he's never he's never gotten close to it again since. So, Jason, that was a one off. It doesn't count until you duplicate it. Um, but, you know, we we played that game start to finish all of the little things looking for all of the hidden pieces of of stuff that you could do in every one of those so many times we played hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. We bought a Wii. We had all these really expensive games that we got, and the one that we played the most was Z- Link's Crossbow Training.
0: You just, you just made uh, several thousand Zelda fans' heads explode in rage.
2: By the way, I'm, I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure. But <laughs> again, it was be- for me. It was because each one of those was compartmentalizable. Um, but
0: the, the nice thing about that one, uh, Link's Crossbow Training, was meant as a very utilitarian uh, instructional video for how to use a Wii Remote when that yes. came out, uh, and, and so they the, did a great job oh with yeah. it. So it's very short. Um, it's uh, it's based graphically on um, Twilight Princess. Uh, and it's, so it's very quick levels and it lends itself well to family competition. So it's, it's got easy.
2: It's fast. It was fun. And like I say, for me, it was the next Zelda game that I could approach because yeah. it was the only one that had, it was the only one that I didn't have to stay up until two o'clock in the morning trying to beat a <laughs> level.
1: It sits outside the others in terms of style of gameplay. Um, it does. But it is, I, I loved playing it with my family too. Those who are not engrossed in the Zelda universe or in the story or in, and that it's a very fun, quick one-off game,
0: like, like Craig was saying there. Um, but the reason, okay, so let me move a little bit toward, uh, well, a lot toward movie adaptation. The reason yeah. that I bring up Skyward Sword is because that's the one that I would want, uh, adapted I can as see a that. movie. I can see that. Let me, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. One of the, one of the odd little, uh, quirks about Zelda is that Link never speaks, in fact, ju- you know, for the most part nobody ever speaks uh with the exception of a few sounds and that sort of thing. Uh but that's kind of one of the that's one of the weird things that that they ran into with the 90s cartoon that they made. If you remember, mm-hmm. they did this bizarre little cartoon uh where we all got the invaluable phrase excuse me, princess. <laughs> and it was all it was very strange uh <laughs> partly now, partly because Link talks, right? And so I love the idea of doing a Skyward Sword movie adaptation because you can leave Link and follow Zelda. Hmm. So Zelda okay. is the star of the movie because yeah, if you play Skyward Sword, she goes off on her own crazy adventure and all you get is little tiny glimpses when Link catches up to her and then she runs ahead mm-hmm. uh, to keep going with her adventure. Um, and, and so I like this idea of... You're following Zelda and there's this kind of, there's this love story under the surface and maybe she has some flashbacks to her interactions with Link or whatever, but he doesn't have to speak in this movie. In fact, you don't have to have much Link at all.
1: It's a nice thought, but there's no way that flies. <laughs> because, <laughs> no, of course not. That's interesting. To try and, especially for an a first piece, yeah. a first piece for Zelda, to not have one of the most iconic character, arguably the most you know, iconic character,
0: you know who could do it? Netflix. Yes, they Netflix could, could they pull it could, off. They could commission a um, a CGI, a pure CGI film, a uh, feature length movie of Skyward Sword.
2: Yeah, they probably could. Um, yeah. yeah, I see that becoming an awful lot like the like the Halo animated uh, DVD that came out a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Red versus Blue. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Different one? There was, um, I can't remember what it was called. Origins?
1: Yeah, Origins. And Halo actually has an entire channel now. Um, But it's the challenge with video games turning into any other sort of medium is the fact that their stories don't lend to short telling, Um, which is why I do think like a Netflix, if you did a Zelda series, something like that could work. I have a hard time seeing a good Zelda hour and a half movie movie yeah it would um, be tough yeah it would it would just be tough and that's that's true with all of them because most of these are designed to have like of course, five
0: hours of gameplay you know what else would be really really hard to make a movie out of uh is a, a 10 minute boat ride through pirates of the caribbean in disneyland <laughs> <laughs> it's true I'm just saying, hey, no, i am just say no my only point is people can do wonderful things uh, if they're creative enough I,
2: I think I think the 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 question that is going to be asked at some point in time is is it easier to is it better for the for the expansion of the fan base uh, to tell that story to, to do that to tell that story in a non interactive media or is it better to put out a new kind of Zelda game mm-hmm and I see the the new kind of Zelda game, an uh, almost an MMO environment for Zelda.
0: The new Zelda on Wii U will be open.
2: Yeah, open world. So you know, then you've got then you've got an opportunity. You know, maybe it turns into being a lot like the Oasis. I don't know mm-hmm. that we reviewed in a book a while back.
1: I have I have one critique of the Zelda series, and I understand why it is this way a bit. Um. Unfortunately, and I am going to say this right now that unfortunately, it only sits in one console system. Oh, okay. And that's yeah. not to knock Nintendo too much because it is we owe a lot to Nintendo and everything. It's, it's, but of all this of all the this current generation of gaming, it is the least attractive of all the gaming options. Right. And so to have such a great series, I cuz I I absolutely know I would purchase Zelda on my Xbox. But I won't go purchase a Wii U to play in the future. Yeah. Ones. And
0: the the problem here is that if without two things, without Zelda and without Mario, nobody is going to go buy a Nintendo. It's That's not right. going to happen. And so if they suddenly make those two franchises available on your PlayStation, on your Xbox, nobody will buy the console. Now, well, that I, being said, nobody over knows, the age of 12. In In a few years, if the console wars, uh, you know, the dust settles and there are only a couple of victors, that might be where Nintendo goes, where they are a game maker, not a platform maker. Who knows?
1: Dreamcast is coming back, people. Dreamcast (laughs) is coming back.
2: Oh, wow. I can't believe you actually used that phrase. I played
1: like two games on I loved my Dreamcast. It was
0: a good I loved it. it.
2: It may have been a good... But that's like saying, you know, Betamax rules... It may be true, but it's never going to get traction.
0: (laughs) Uh, All right, you guys, uh, we'd better leave Zelda. Any other final thoughts? No. Good. Um, He
2: didn't give us time.
0: Well, you you think faster, Play the
2: ocarina. Go back in time just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say one thing. I am amazed that at Comic-Con, there were so many places to buy ocarinas.
0: All right. It's a, like you say, it's a big franchise. People love this. It's
2: huge. It. Yeah. For a franchise that never had a movie, a cartoon, well, except the failed cartoon series, a, a long-running cartoon mm-hmm. series, any kind of a, any kind of uh, major mass media marketing outside of the video game, it's amazing at how large that franchise became.
1: If I, as soon as I have enough space and I have a full room dedicated to my geekdom and nerddom, I'll have a a Hylian shield and a master sword on the wall.
2: Yeah. And I will find some way of putting the Triforce up there someplace.
0: Um, yes, I've really kind of Zelded out my little studio here. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, let's move on before Ryan makes more jokes about, uh, I don't know. we had a
1: lot of inappropriate jokes today. Uh, okay. you, have, you have to end this podcast. There's one way you have to end this podcast. I'm not ending
0: it yet. Okay. No, I want to move on to, uh, uh, wait. What is it? You
1: you you've got to end it with your. Oh, okay, right. That, I'm just saying.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, you guys seen any good movies lately?
2: You know, I I went back and rewatched a movie. Um, my. my it's really been interesting as, as we do, as we do with the work that we do here for the for the Legendarium, we see movies and that beca- that's that's become very much a part of what we do. Um, my wife is not a movie-going person if she's going to spend more than $3 on a ticket. So last night I had the chance to take her to go see Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Nice. And Did you say last night? Last night. Wow. At uh, It's at a local theater that does the dollar movie kind of thing and... Um, my, my daughter has been clamoring for us to go for like two weeks. And so I, you know, last night I said, okay, finally, all of our plans have, have just absolutely exploded. We'll go tonight. It was at, it was the late show nine 30 after everything else had already bombed. Uh, and I said, okay, we'll go. And I got a chance to watch my wife's face as she went through that movie for the first time, like I did. And she looked over and she goes, that's really cool. I said, Keep watching. <laughs> there were so many moments that were just delightful.
0: That's a that's a fantastic movie, and we could do an entire episode on uh, spy fantasy, right?
2: Yes, and I think Probably maybe we'll get. Uh, sure maybe we, we should. We'll, maybe yeah. Specters coming up. Oh Specters coming up. Ryan,
0: did you see anything good lately?
1: I haven't really been to the theater lately. My last movie going experience. Well, not movie going. I don't even know what my last movie going experience was. I just, you know, battling for tickets for Star Wars is the yeah. last thing I did at the theater.
0: <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen The Martian yet, definitely go see The Martian. Mm-hmm. Um, it, fantastic movie, which, uh, whose, whose best line is one that I can't repeat here. <laughs> Todd, have you seen it? No. Uh, but that, I know the line you're the the talking best, about. The best line in the movie is F.U. Mars. <laughs> 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 it is so funny. Um, anyway, it, it's... I really like the Martian um, because I feel like this is it's a great use of science fiction. Uh, You're exploring one or two
2: good science fiction.
0: You're exploring one or two themes in a future that's just out of reach. Mm -hmm. So it's only a little bit different uh, than what we have now. Uh, And so, yeah,
2: it's it's really believable. Um, And the science drives the fiction. It's not a it's not a space opera. I love Star Wars. I'm looking forward to Star Wars, but Star Wars but, is not sci-fi. Yeah, don't call it sci-fi. The Martian is sci-fi. Yeah. I like it.
0: Uh, anyway, so definitely go see that one. Uh, last night I went and saw The Last Witch Hunter, which I I uh, I recommend to a certain group of people if you really like uh, D&D. Um, if you really like kind of dark fantasy, this is a pretty good one. It's a very dark, dark, dark movie, just palette wise. Um, but I I partly went and saw it just because I know what a freaking dork Vin Diesel is and I love it. I love him for it. Uh, and so I wanted to see kind of what he would do with this super nerdy, uh, idea of The Last Witch Hunter and I had a good time. It's not something that I am going to, uh, put on my dvd shelf or purchase for a a, you know an electronic collection or whatever it's not something that i'll probably go back and see again in the theaters once was enough but that doesn't mean that i didn't like it and if you are if you think oh you know maybe i'm going out this weekend maybe i kind of want to see that one yeah go see it you'll have a good time um
2: better than kingsman
0: Oh my gosh! I hated Kingsman. <laughs> I hated it so much. Uh, the uh, sequel for Kingsman just got greenlit. Uh,
2: has oh, re- you're kidding! Yeah,
0: has a release date for sometime next year. I think.
2: Well, so does Fantastic Four. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, and this—that's something that they really did with uh, the Last Witch Hunter. They set it up for a lot of sequels. I would count on one more, uh, probably based on uh, based on the one day receipts, but. Uh, yeah, it's probably too early to tell, but I would count on one more, but not on the big franchise that they're probably hoping to make.
2: They were probably hoping for lightning to strike twice like Fast and Furious. Yeah,
0: no, not going to happen with this one. Anyway, um, you guys have anything else you want to talk about or should we wrap it up and head home?
1: This is this is going to feel so off the mark of what we've talked about and everything, but actually that just brought to my mind something. Did you guys ever see Dracula Untold? No. No. Go see it or see it. Go rent it, whatever. See if you can find it on Netflix or something. A lot of, it got a lot of flack for being a terrible, terrible movie. Um, but it's a gr- I actually really liked it. Loved it. One of the most beautiful ones I've, beautiful horror films I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, the reason I, I bring it up is because as you're talking about that franchise is it was actually slated to start another franchise to compete with Marvel of monster movies interesting that were
0: meant to be that action field and so is that where we got things like i frankenstein that was a terrible movie
1: that's the idea of what they were going for that's not part of this series Mm -hmm. but the dracula untold was supposed to kickstart that and we've never heard anything since then and being that we're coming into halloween and and kind of horror films are the end thing right now i would recommend watching dracula untold and see and just take a moment and say would i be interested in seeing a series of movies about the monsters being heroes. Yeah.
2: That's interesting. And I just want to do a quick shout out from the comic book corner. Jessica Jones coming out on Netflix, November 20th. Is it November 20th? November
0: 20th. What a great looking trailer that is.
2: Uh, you know, uh, uh, again, we get an opportunity to see how the different, uh, the different parts of the Marvel universe get to integrate themselves and, and all be part of larger stories. I mean, I'm watching that and I'm saying to myself right off the bat, heroes for hire. Here we go.
0: Yeah. Alright, comic guy. Uh let's go, you guys. Um thank you everybody for listening. Uh, again, sorry about the Hey, did
2: you notice he never said that he hates us on this one? Oh, gosh. I think it's Ken that causes all of these problems. You it's know, a good thing that we ate. It was, Ken. it, it was,
0: Todd. I am going to murder you. All right.
2: If I'm not on the podcast next time, they ate me too.
0: Sorry about the month off, everybody. Uh every once in a while uh, our our stars misalign and everybody has a million things going on. Uh, so I won't say it won't happen again, but it won't happen again for a while. Uh, you'll have us, uh, back again soon. Uh, so thanks again for listening. We will talk to you all later. Uh, what was my line? Oh, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. The Legendarium Podcast is sponsored by Audible, the world's leading source of audiobooks. Follow along with our current series or enjoy some of the classics by visiting thelegendariumpodcast.com, where you can sign up for your free trial membership. Click the sponsor link on our website for a free audiobook.